Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. So Bob, he says a lot of different types of things up here when he gets the microphone. You never quite know what he's going to say, right? And so it's always a wild card. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, I, I've had the unique privilege of being able to, you know, my wife and I have been able to spend time with Bob and Betty over the years and um, be in their, in their home, enjoy a, a glass of red wine around the table with them. And I will tell you this, um, they have one of the best marriages I've ever seen modeled. And uh, so, Bob and Betty, seriously, I think, I, I was just thinking about that, you know, if, if there's one thing I'm, I'm just so thankful for, for you guys, uh, what you've modeled to the body, it's, it's, it's how to uh, stand long and strong in, in Christ and Mary. So thank you so much for, for modeling that. Thank you to all of you guys who are modeling that for the rest of us, the rest of us young bucks. Trying to figure it out. Um, hey, so uh, so the Patriots won last week. That's too bad, right? <laughs> Apparently didn't pray hard enough. Nobody showed up to my prayer meeting in the theater. So that'll, that'll be a lesson learned. That was a crazy game. And I don't have time to talk about that. Um, another, another quick update, Vine Life Kids. Um, I know that... Uh, for parents in the room, families in the room, um, over the last several weeks, we've made you aware of uh, uh, some more shifts and changes happening Vine Life Kids. Tom and Leah Cornwell have moved to Pennsylvania, and so it's left a, a void in our leadership down there. And uh, it is, it is a, big, it's a big topic around here because it affects a lot of us. It affects me and my kids. It affects uh, a lot of the families around here. And so just a couple things. We, we want to uh, bring some regular updates because we know that it matters to you as a family, and it's, uh, um, it's been a, a while, the last few weeks, um, we've had different people come in and kind of interview to be a part of that leadership core, that leadership team there, and uh, it, some, some amazing people, some very qualified people, and, and uh, but I, I want to say real quick, for, for those of you who are part of the Vine Life Kids team, and when you're down there, uh, some of you are serving a couple times a month, some of you just once a month. Um, we want to say a huge thank you for holding that space with our kids. Can we just give them a hand? We, we understand as well that, you know, kid, kids' ministry is always a, a unique challenge because while everybody else is in here, you're holding that space down there, and sometimes it can feel a little distant and separate. And so I just want to encourage you guys, especially as we're in the middle of this transition and trying to um, hold this space, especially for our kids and parents and families, you know, as you pick up your kids uh, from Vine Life Kids, from their classrooms, thank the teachers, thank them, um, high five them, hug them, whatever you need to do, get them gift cards, um, thank them for what they're doing, because they're not just taking care of your kids, and, and can we just, you know, when we go through transitions like this, it's, it's always important that we remember what is the question that we're actually asking here, and the question we're asking is not, uh, what do we do with the kids while we're up here? Uh, or the question is, how do we keep them busy, right? I, I'm not interested in keeping my children busy. The question I'm asking, how do I best disciple my kids? How do, we, as a community, we best disciple those coming up uh, in, in the next generation? And, and it's, a, it's a question that's continuing to burn. And, and, and as I'm praying, as our team has been praying, as we even, we're talking this week, 
um, we're, we're committed to, to making sure that uh, we're pressing into the heart of God for how we can best raise a generation of, of Jesus followers, not just kids who are entertained while mommy and daddy are worshiping, right? And, uh, and for those of you who get to spend time with them downstairs, you know, it's like there's, there's, a, there, there's a way that you experience Christ's presence that you can only experience with children. And, um, and that's what we have to remember, uh, that it's, a, it's an honor that we get to be in those spaces together. Sound good? So keep praying, keep praying. Let's keep talking about that. If you have questions, come. you can talk to any one of our leadership team, me or any of the, the elders. I uh, would be happy to answer any questions or concerns or any of those types of things. And, and we're going to, as a community, uh, we're going to, um, uh, yeah, continue to, to pour into our young ones. Sound good? Hey, let's pray together. That sounds like a good idea. Can you uh, cross the room? Can we just close our eyes together? And sometimes I, you know, we, we, we do the thing where you put your hands out in front. That, what that does is our, it's a way for our bodies to reflect what we're, what we're wanting to do in our spirits, which is, Lord, we want to receive your kingdom today. So God, I pray even right now that even us in this room would be like little children, excited, anticipating, filled with joy, God, as we commune together with you and with each other. We thank you, Jesus, for your word that's been given to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you reveal yourself through your word. And God, I pray that today every one of us some way, somehow, would walk out of those doors in the back more in love with you and more in tune with your story and what you're up to on this earth. We thank you, Jesus, that we're recipients of the kingdom of God. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so since we uh, started into 2017, we've kind of been in and out of this theme that has to do with discipleship. Um, and, and you guys have, have heard that in different slices and different pieces, and we, um, it, it's, it's something that continues to, to stir, even as, the, as, as a leadership, what the Lord has uh, stirred us into is a deeper understanding of discipleship, and not just as it relates to programs or what we're doing, but as this, as, as, a, as an identity, as a place that we can settle into as believers. And, and we really believe that that it is important as a community that there's times that we remember what is the core identity, Jesus, that you've called us to. Because when we can settle into this identity of I am a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that helps give context to all the things that we're doing, all the activity that we're doing. So we're not just attending services, we're not just um, trying to do spiritual things here and, here, here and there, but when we begin to see our lives through the context and, and an identity as a disciple, that, that it turns our entire life into a, a giant canvas that we can see that in every twist, in every turn, in every pocket of life, the master artist creator is, is, is painting a picture um, um, 
through all of the highs and through all of the lows and through all of the, the work and through the family and through the different things, what he's doing is he's shaping us and he's molding us and he's teaching us to commune with him and to be like him and to, uh, like we're gonna talk about today, to extend his loving rule into all of creation, right? And, and so we've been talking about different slices of what it looks like to, to follow Jesus, to be those who are um, not just looking to, to Jesus and his teachings as, as just a, a good idea or good information to kind of memorize, but a posture of heart and a new way of, of being with each other and being with him so we can pay attention to what he's saying and what he's doing on this earth so we can participate. And that's the joy of what we get to do. God has invited us to participate with him in his work on this earth. And if there's anything that just continues to blow me away, it's that, is that we're not passive. We're not, God has not called us to a passive role. He's called us to an active, participatory role in the exciting drama, this epic drama that we've just somehow just snuck into, right? I mean, God has called us into this story that he's been weaving since the beginning of time, and we just get it keep waking up every day, just smacking ourselves on the cheek, just like, am I, am I really in this, God, do I get to participate in your story? And, and so last week, Jenny, he, she just brought, she brought a great message about talking about the way of Jesus, that Jesus, as he was training his disciples, um, he wasn't just telling him what to do, but he was giving them a new way, a new way of being, a new way of doing, right? So it wasn't just, I want you to go do these task list things for me, but I'm going to teach you a new way of inhabiting the world, right? And so, so I'm going to hop into this scripture. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. Um, I, love, I love the gospel of Luke. And uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and, I, and I love this, this chapter in particular as I've spent some time here in Luke chapter 10. See, a few weeks ago we, we dove into um, the passage right before this, but I'm going to read this, this passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 2 through 9. Says this, after, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and every place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if it will not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking, what they provide for the laborers to serve, the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. 
Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Amen? And so just before this passage where Jesus releases 70-ish guys, 72, uh, 72 disciples out to go start doing the work, just before this, uh, is he's with these same disciples. And this is where the question of what, is it, what does it actually cost to follow you, Jesus? And so we talked about this a few weeks ago where they would come to him and say, he would say, follow me. And then one would respond, hey, let me first go, you know, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, hey, let the dead bury their own dead. You need to come follow me. Get, and, and what would happen is in this series of, of about a few different interactions with disciples, he was just telling them, listen, um, when you follow me, it's going to require a reordering of, of priority. Now, the cost of following Jesus, can we just be clear on this? Has, has, it pales in comparison to the worth of following Jesus. Okay? So there is like, there is a cost, right? I mean, there, there is this thing of like, Lord, um, I'm going to forsake the things that I've once held dear. But when you take a step into a life of moving with and following Jesus. How many of you guys know? It's just, it just blows any other option out of the water, right? There is nothing like following Jesus. It's like, you know what? Take my life and take a thousand other lives. I will follow you. If, if, if what I've tasted so far is any indication of what's to come, then just bring it on. Take the rest. And so, so let's be clear here. When we talk about the cost of following Jesus, don't get too crazy with that. But we do understand that there is this there is this, you know, when we come in, it's not a Jesus and everything else. It's like, Jesus, you are Lord. You are ruler of my life, and it's my joy to follow you. And so he has these really tough conversations with these guys, and, and, and he says, um, you, you got to come follow me. Don't look back, right? Don't do that thing where you're like, oh, man, did I make the right decision? No, no, no. Don't look back. Come and follow me. And so then we come into this passage, the very next passage, with these guys that are just, they, they, they just came through this crossroads, this intersection of, oh my gosh, am I going to do this or not do this? And so then Jesus is left with 72 with him there, and then he begins kind of a first assignment. He starts sending them out two by two. And I, and I love this, and I think this is just so telling for what matters to the heart of Jesus. And this is something we really have to understand about the nature of discipleship is that Jesus' first movement with these disciples was not to huddle around, but to send them out. And so, the, and so what he was revealing to them and what we see even in this passage as Jesus begins just sending them out with the, just a few instructions is that what matters to the heart of God um, isn't that we just huddle around with him, but that we participate in the work that he's doing here on this earth, Right? And, and, and not only that we would just take up a, a mission, but that we would enter into his mission. Do you guys understand that God already has a mission? He doesn't need our missions to join his mission, right? So we love missions like let's, let's come up with a fancy statement and put it on the wall. But what's awesome about being a Christian is we don't have to invent our own. We just get to take Jesus's. And so Jesus says, hey, I've, I've got this thing I've been up to since the beginning, which is called searching for people's hearts. And inviting them back into the table, inviting them back to the party. And the first thing he does is he starts to, to launch them out. And, and I think it's, 
it's, it's important that we look at this because sometimes we see discipleship as different than this idea of what we call mission, which is like us doing things out in the community or us, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about missions trips or outreaches or those types of things. But sometimes if we're not careful, we see those as two distinct activities. Like discipleship, that's where I'm going to grow in this or that. And then I'm going to go do things over here. But Jesus didn't make he didn't make a distinction. In fact, the way he discipled his disciples was as they went. Okay? As they had the posture of movement and going and seeing the world through the lens of creative participation with the Godhead, that's where he would actually start to speak to them and change them. And he would actually start to, to form them, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily two distinct activities. Here's the spiritual growth stuff over here, and then here's all the good things we do for the community. He says, listen, you get to live one life, and as you live a life with a, with a, leaning into, with a lens of, of, of participating with me, with the people I love in all walks of life, in those places, I'm going to shape you. And I think that's a really important thing that us, for us to, 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 to remember, because some of us, I really believe, are stalled out in our spiritual growth because we stopped moving with him. And he's trying to disciple us, but he can only disciple us as we, as, as we take up our identity as the sent people of God. He disciples us as we're sent. Do you guys see that? We were discipled as we're sent. We're not discipled and then sent. He disciples us as we're sent. And it's a good word for us today because because being a sense people, being a people on mission, being a people um, that, that actually are, are seeking to engage the world, it doesn't just require us to get on an airplane and fly to, to, you know, to South America, though that might happen sometimes. But it requires a new orientation to see that God is actually present in that work outside of these walls in ways that sometimes maybe we never see because we've stopped asking that question. So we are the sent people of God. So let's just be clear here. We are a people called to be on his mission with him. And so it's a new way of seeing. And so as these guys started responding to this call of follow me, the first thing says, great, go out ahead of me now. I'm going to get to that in just a second here. But I love, I love the idea of missions trips. I, I don't know about for, for you guys... Uh, I, I, went, I took my first trip out of the country when I was in high school. I went to Guatemala. And uh, man, what a shock, right? To uh, this little punk kid from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, uh, and I, I flew to Central America and, and just got shuttled around to just, I mean, it, it was just, it was a total like flip me head on heels. I mean, it was going into these villages where they literally had nothing, right, and we're bringing these bags of shoes, and we'd actually go into a village and call all of the kids of this village into this little church sanctuary and, and ask their permission if we could wash their feet. And just begin, one to one, just begin to wash the dirt off their feet and then begin to give them brand new socks and shoes. For me, it, it, it was an experience um, you know, sometimes you have to get on a plane to wake up to what God is already up to and what he's doing around the world. So mission, so a lot of times we equate a missional life with, with episodic things, a weekend to go do this, or a, or a plane ride to this country. And those things are great in the fact that there, it is kind of that shocking, uh, it's, it's a shocking experience that actually gets us to wake up to, oh wow, God is actually 
He's actually doing amazing things around the world, right? But, but can we be clear here that, that to wake up to the mission of God doesn't necessarily mean you have to get onto a plane to go do that. It means us agreeing with God about reality. And reality is that, is that there is this thing called the kingdom of God that is pulsing. And it's moving. And the invitation to follow him, it really is an invitation to open our eyes to what was always going on. And say, so there's, there's a greater level of seeing and perceiving, Right? And this is something, we have, to, we have to rehearse this story. Do you guys get that? Because, because culture, there's so many cultural elements that, that, will, that will push us and, and, and shape us into, into um, an understanding of what we're doing, like the power, it just happens in this room. And we have to rehearse this story that, man, he designed us to live powerful lives outside of this room. And it is interesting looking at statistics that, you know, most people, like when they become Christians, within two years, they lose all contact with all of their, their unbelieving friends. That's statistically what's true. That might not be true for you, but statistically what happens is there's this vortex. And we, yes, we get caught in this vortex as well. Me get caught into this vortex where the, the most important things are happening just within the confines of a church community, but, but I believe and I see and I believe that the percolating and the agitation that's happening in the body of Christ is us waking up to what he's always designed us for from the very beginning, which is to be participating with him in the powerful demonstration of his kingdom in the world. This is, do you know that's what you were made for? This, is, this was plan A, right? Don't you love that when we read in Genesis that, that God created Adam and Eve to, to, to live in this joyous co- communion with him. And then from that place of intimacy with him, to, to, to rule over creation. They're, they're, they were commissioned, right? They were commissioned to be fruitful and multiply, but to have dominion. To actually exercise, to actually reflect the loving rule of God into their activity in all of creation. Do you guys see that? And so what happened was this crafty little snake comes by and starts whispering some things, right? And you know the story. It's like this serpent comes in and, and starts deceiving them, having to do with their identity and their purpose and who they were. And they bought it. They, they bought it, right? And it was at that point where they, where they believed the deception about who they were and what their purpose was that all of a sudden the effect of sin, the condition of sin, separated them not only from, from, this, from the, being under the loving rule of God in the same way they were before, but th- now they were reeling for, like, for purpose, for identity. What are we even here for? And it's amazing, though, because have you ever asked the question when you start reading through the Bible, like, I'm, 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 I'm trudging through the Old Testament right now. I shouldn't use that word, trudging. I'm sorry, that sounded pretty bad. I, I love the Old Testament, but, but I have to work really hard sometimes when I'm getting into all these rituals and, you know, I'm, you know, deep into Leviticus and Numbers right now, right? And, and, and it really is actually 
when you, when you can lean into it, it's, it's an amazing picture of what was actually happening, how God was trying to break back in and create a way for people to be in relationship with him, and for, to bridge that gap. But, but you ever ask the question, gosh, it would have been just a lot easier, except, you know, all the law stuff and, and that whole thing. It would have just been easier if you just crushed Satan and just reversed it in the snap of a finger, right? I mean, you ever thought about that? Like, why didn't he just say, oh, redo, you know, and just start over, like, there? Why didn't he just exercise that power himself? He has the power to do that. Satan is a created being, right? God's not threatened by Satan, by the way. He created him. So Satan's not the opposite of God. Okay, (laughs) we just sang it. He, God has no rival, okay? And so, and so the plan A never changed. And, but what happened was God, he still wanted mankind, those created in his image, to be able to exercise that dominion and that authority. The problem is we couldn't get that authority back ourselves, the authority that we handed over through deception. We couldn't get that back ourselves. We, we needed a perfect human to be able to do that for us. And so Jesus, the God-man, comes in flesh. And through his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice, through the work of the cross and the great love of the cross, we read, what does he do? He takes back the authority that we lost. And then he says it to his disciples in, in another In another place, he says, listen, I'm going to give you back the keys of the kingdom. All that to mean is this. Jesus came to to take us back into God's original intention in the garden. So he came to take back the authority that we lost and to give it back to us so that once again, we can begin to walk out and live out what it looks like to be living under the, the, the beautiful, joyous, rule and reign of God in our lives. And to demonstrate that, and it's starting in our own lives and in our families and in our neighborhoods and have that move out, he came to invite us back into our original responsibility, which was to affect his reign and his rule on this earth. And he did that, and he sent us out because he wanted us to know that he wasn't just going to do it himself because his plan was he wanted us to participate with him in that. Do you guys see that? And so this is the amazing part. This is so, so the disciples are sent out, and he sends them out two by two, and he says, I want you to go out, and I want you f- to just to figure it out, right? Go look for the people of peace. Go find the people you have favor with. And then when you find someone you have favor with, I want you to start doing the stuff. Demonstrate the kingdom. Exercise the dominion, because I'm giving you authority to do that. And it's amazing, because it actually worked. Woo! It worked, Right? And so a couple verses later, we read this in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. I love this. We're skipping over some really intense stuff that Jesus says in between here. Uh, you can go read the rest of Luke chapter 10. Um, not everything he says is, is, is encouraging, um, but I'll, I'll let you get to that on your own. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. And he said to them, this is so perfect. He said to them, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Oof. Oof. So they come back and like, whoa, you sent us out and told us what to do, and it actually, like, the stuff worked. And so they come back and they're like, this is crazy. And, 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 and just in case there is any uncertainty, Jesus reminds him, I told you, listen, what's happening here is not just a few, you're able to do a few magic tricks. Okay, Jesus didn't come so you could go out and just do some magic tricks. What, what you're doing as you go, as you're healing the sick, as, as people are being freed up in their thinking and demonic oppression is leaving people's lives, as people are being loved and welcomed back into families, as these effects are starting to take root, just remember that all of this has to do with what originally happened. I saw Satan, and he fell like lightning. And listen, I am giving you authority. What's happening as you're doing this stuff is you're exercising your authority to stomp on his head, to stomp on on serpents. And then later we read when Paul writes, the God of peace will soon crush Satan's head under our feet. So he's saying, as you're going and doing your stuff, it's not just about doing some neat things that you couldn't do before. You are now responsible to exercise and extend the loving rule and dominion of God and his unbelievable kingdom in every place you go, right? And I love, I love, I love Again, the sequence here, because this is right on the heels of him saying, come and follow me, come and follow me, come and follow me. Next verse, now you go out ahead of me to the cities I'm about to go to. Do you guys notice that? The movement of passage, come and follow me, come and follow me, and then he sends them ahead. Here's a good question if you're a disciple. How are we supposed to follow you if we go out ahead of you? You just, all this really intense stuff about following you and giving up everything, and then he switches. Okay, now you go ahead of me to places I'm about to go, and I'll meet up with you there, basically, right? So, so, so what's, the, <laughs> what's the encouragement in that? And this is such a Jesus thing to do, is that as he's teaching us to follow him, he's also entrusting us the places that our feet tread, right? And so he's saying to his disciples, listen, listen, now that I'm giving you authority, you don't have to wait for me to come. Wherever you go, you go and you start noticing things and you start forming the relationships. And guess what? As you do that, I will meet up with you wherever you go. So the location of your next kingdom breakthrough is up to you. He sends his disciples out and says, You go into the cities I'm about to go. Wherever you go, you do the things in my name with authority I've given to you. Why is that good news? Because for you sitting in the room as us, as the sent people of God, guess what? We get to walk out these doors here in a little bit. And wherever you go, wherever you start to notice the people of peace, wherever you notice that you have favor and you start extending the rule and the reign of God, guess what? He promises that wherever that is, he's going to catch up with you there anyways. So th- there's this place of following Jesus and then there's a place where he sends us ahead of him and say, hey, 
Now you have authority. You go out in front of me and I'm going to come and follow you to where you go. That's ridiculous. But that is such a Jesus thing because he's inviting us not to be passive in what he's doing, but to be active. Why am I telling you this? Why does this matter? Because as a church, for us, I I believe that our, our power in the future, and this is not only our church, but this is the church of Jesus Christ in America, our power will not be determined by how many people we can get to come through those beautiful purple doors in the back to come sit in our teal chairs. Our power will be determined by how we leave those doors and how convinced we are that God is actually up to something and that we are participate, participants, we are characters in the story of God that have been given power and authority to affect this loving rule wherever we go. The, the power of the church is how we leave. I'm convinced of it. And it changes the way you drive into your neighborhood. Because, come on, you, you probably have a fancy name to your neighborhood. I do. Or maybe you live in an apartment complex or a condo, and it's, I don't know, Candlelight Ridge. It's Vista Fox Forest Villa Pond. I, I don't know, whatever. I mean, Longs Peak. I don't know, whatever. Kenosha Farms right here, right? So I get to drive home and I get to drive into my street. And the good news here is that when I drive into my neighborhood and I see Kenosha Farms, for me, I can trust that God, for whatever wild reason, you have planted me in this neighborhood. For my family to be a local church in this neighborhood. I might be the only ones, and I know I'm not. But I'm, I'm planted. So when I drive in and I see this sign, I can, in my heart, begin to thank Jesus. Thank you, God, that as I drive into my neighborhood, I'm driving into your mission on earth. I'm driving into the, to a neighborhood of people that you love. And a lot of them are just super lonely because people in the burbs are so lonely. And so we get intimidated sometimes by these passages, you know, that says, okay, go out and heal the sick. Yeah, and, and we, we are bringing in, you know, James Maloney and Janine Rodriguez to teach us things like how to pray for the sick, how to grow in that, how to interpret dreams for people. Those are like amazing things that we get to do, but it doesn't have to be that complicated to be in the mission of God, to be people who are paying attention. In fact, I think one of the most powerful th- things that I've, I've, I'm learning and trying to learn how to do is just remember people's names in my neighborhood. And that might sound really silly to you, that might sound like really insignificant, but do you guys, do you guys understand that um, one, one of the, the plague of, of loneliness in our society right now, that even the mention, when people hear your name, do you know that actually has a physiologic effect, physiological effect on you when you hear your own name? And so people are, some people are so used to nobody even knowing their name or calling them by name that it actually startles them. Try it next time you're at the cash register. And you read the name tag and thank them by name. See what happens on their face. They might be shocked. 
And I say that as just a really small example because I'm trying to figure this out. You know, we're trying to do these block parties. We're trying to prayer walk our neighborhood. I'm trying to pay attention when I'm at the the Erie Rec Center, when I'm going down to the coffee shop, when I'm going down to get something to eat. I'm I'm paying attention. God, where are you at work? Because this is the place. I didn't pick this place. You, You planted me here. You called me to be here. Now I get to participate. And the good news is that as I am becoming aware of this glad participation, this creative participation, I believe he He's able to actually disciple me in a way that I haven't known before because now I'm paying attention to brand new things and he's shaping things inside of me. He's teaching me how to love better. He's teaching me how to pay attention better. And I, I think we're all kind of like at different levels of this, but I'm saying there is a next step and part of that next step is the way you walk out of the threshold of that door, the way that you drive into your neighborhood when you see the name of your neighborhood or your apartment complex or your condo place or whatever that is, do you, are you filled with joy that God has positioned you there to extend something that maybe has never been seen there before? God, what does the gospel, what does your good news look like when it infects our lives and our neighborhoods and our cities? And that's the question we get to ask, God. What, is, what does it look like? What would it look like if your kingdom was, was fully manifested? What would be changing? That's a good question right there. What would change in my neighborhood if the kingdom was fully manifested? So we get to ask the question. That's the point. We get to ask that question. And we get to rejoice that God is sending us out. We're sent people. Some of you, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a message you've heard a lot. But it's something you get to grow in even more today. And what I'm believing for is, is for, uh, for, for us to be convinced of the authority given to us in Christ. Are you convinced of it? Do you believe in the authority given to you in Christ? It's not just a good idea. This is what we were made for. This is what we were made for. This is, this is where life is lived. Ah, let's stand together. love this, Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Just think about the name God's given you and the place that he's placed you. How God anointed Luke of Kenosha Farms. with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And God is with you. You might even reread that passage. Just insert your name in your place. God has anointed you with Holy Spirit and power. And so let's receive this today. Um, Jesus We thank you, God, that you are continuing to shape us. You're continuing to push us. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are constantly reminding us what we were made for, that we're made to to do this stuff with you. And as we do it, you're teaching us to become like you as we go. You disciple us as we go. 
And I just pray even now, Lord God, for just the power and authority to be received, apprehended, and believed and manifested in our lives, Lord God, and the places that we go as we leave today, Lord Jesus. I pray for those of us who have felt stuck or stunted, Lord God, that you would shift something in our being, Lord God, that you would shift something in our being. God, I pray for boldness and risk-taking, Lord God, for unbelievable testimonies, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the sick to be healed. We thank you for for those who are um, suffering from oppression or loneliness or poverty or all of the above, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, to loose chains of oppression. I thank you we get to extend those things, God, the nature of your kingdom in every, every place we go. Bless us as we go. God, make us more excited to leave here than we did to come here. (laughs) And not just for lunch, but like literally to leave here and to live life with you, God. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Come on.